Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Rosh Hashanah sermon by Rabbi Matt Shapiro. Indulge me in a thought experiment. Imagine an airplane makes an emergency landing. As the cabin fills with smoke, people realize that they need to get out immediately. Now here our experiment unfolds in two timelines. On planet A, the passengers turn to their neighbors to ask if they're okay. Those who need assistance are helped out of the plane first. Some are even willing to give their lives for people they've never met. On planet B, however, it's every person for themselves. Panic breaks out, there's pushing and shoving. Children and the elderly are thrown aside. Children and the elderly are thrown aside in the chaos. Now, you can only pick one. Which planet do you think we live on? Raise your hand if you think we live on planet A, the one where people are helping each other. Which we hope to live on and we live on. Raise that, you, that we live on. Raise your hand if you think we live on planet B. So I'd say that's about a 50-50 split, which make, makes this a much more optimistic group than the population at large. Tom Postmas, a professor, professor of social psychology in the Netherlands, estimates that 97% of people think we live on planet B. But believe it or not, and at least some of you do, Time and again, the research shows that we actually live on planet A. I read this counterintuitive and compelling case study in Rutger Bregman's book, Humankind. He lays out the startling, stirring conclusion backed by extensive research that an essential element of how we have made it this far as a species is because of our social nature. Our very survival depends on the fact that we are, at our essence, built to be kind and to care for each other. We are hardwired to be kind, and our survival depends on it. As Jews, we know this. Kindness is central in our tradition, particularly at this time of year. When we consider the high holidays, some classic theological imagery comes to mind. It's true, we talk about God as a judge, weighing our deeds and misdeeds on a scale, being written in the book of life or the book of death, and so on. And throughout that very same liturgy, we cite and conjure up God's compassionate nature, the fact that God is El Rachum Vechanun, merciful and gracious. Jewish theology certainly isn't monolithic, and we can choose which aspects of God we connect with. For me, Focusing on God's kindness resonates powerfully, and it's all over the machzor from which we read. In Avot de Rabbi Natan, we're told a story about how deeply kindness is rooted in the Judaism we practice today. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai left Jerusalem. Rabbi Yeshua followed after him and saw the holy temple destroyed. Rabbi Yeshua said, woe to us that the temple is destroyed the place where all of Israel's sins were atoned for. Rabbi Yochanan said to him, My son, 
Do not be distressed, for we have a form of atonement just like it. And what is it? Gemilut chasadim, acts of kindness. As it says, for I desire kindness, not a well-being offering. God desires kindness. God desires chesed. Rabbi Yochanan tells us that kindness holds as much power as sacrifice, which was to that point the primary ritual focus of Judaism. Now, these weren't contemporary social justice-driven Jews, nor were they teachers who considered ritual unimportant. Far from it. But they were Jewish leaders in a time of massive upheaval in which everything they thought they knew about how to live and how to connect with God was being upended. And what's their response? Kindness. Now, it might seem odd, this idea that sins can be forgiven through kindness, but look deeper. When you consider how we as Jews conceptualize the process of atonement, it actually makes a lot of sense. This is the season in which we focus on one of the kindest spiritual practices imaginable, the practice of teshuvah. Teshuvah is, of course, usually translated as repentance, which may sound a little severe, but it can also be translated as response and even return. When we think about responding to the ways in which we've erred and then returning from how we might have strayed, underneath that, is the simple fact that we deserve a second chance. What a concept. Even when I make mistake, and maybe another one, and yet still another, I can still try again. There's a lot of love behind that idea, that God offers us that opportunity always. And when I start that process, not only is there kindness in that opportunity, I'm also being kind to myself. I'm releasing the mistakes I might hold on to so that I can start anew. Teshuvah is a deeply kind practice in both the invitation and in the action. I'm not always as kind as I could be. I don't always see the kindness around me. So I'm thinking about how I can apply this kind concept of teshuvah to work on my own kindness. How can I address these shortcomings? Where have I had the opportunity to seek kindness and miss it? Why is that the case? Bregman offers some insight through a striking idea he introduces early on, addressing the question of how it can be that we live our lives as if we inhabit world B when we're actually in world A. We know what a placebo is, something that we ingest, thinking it's a medication for a specific symptom, and even though it contains no active compounds because of how we're thinking about it, it can sometimes actually help us feel better. Bregman introduces the idea of a nocebo, something that we only think is dangerous. Even if there's nothing actually essentially problematic about it, it can still cause us harm. For example, when I approach someone and I think that they're unkind, it'll have a negative impact on that interaction or that relationship. Bregman writes, if we believe most people can't be trusted, then that's how we'll treat each other, to everyone's detriment. Few ideas have as much power to shape the world as our view of other people. If I think you're out to get me, 
I'll act fearful, I'll act offensive, which will in turn impact how you see me and then respond to me likely in a similar way. Now this doesn't mean we should make foolish choices. We still need to be mindful of our safety. Still, much of the time, when we notice our apprehension, I think we could choose to open up and give the benefit of the doubt a little bit more. So how can I do things differently? First, it requires that I see the people around me, the world even, from a different perspective, recognizing that kindness is not just possible, but always present. I experienced this directly over the summer. I'm glad to work as a lay leader in support of Bamidbar, an organization that addresses mental health and wellness through a wide variety of opportunities, including a Jewish wilderness therapy program. That's not a contradiction in terms. A Jewish wilderness therapy program. <coughs> I went to see the program in action for the first time in July. I am many things, but an outdoorsman is most certainly not one of them, so I had some a lot of apprehension about what my camping experience would be like. It wasn't nearly as rugged as I had expected. We were at the base camp, not out in the field, so I had a structured tent and even access to Wi-Fi as needed, though there wasn't any running water, but more important than creature comforts. I was blown away by how thoughtful and caring the staff was. Every time someone asked for help, another was not thinking twice, going above and beyond to ensure needs were met promptly and fully. Please and thank you flowed freely. Support was offered and accepted eagerly. And it impacted my own behavior. Not only did I more readily say yes myself when people asked for help, I felt lighter, more at ease despite the unfamiliar setting. And when I shared this with a staff member, he responded simply, well, we have to act that way. When we're out in the field, we really need each other. It's not optional. Because of how my life, because of how many of our lives are structured, it might seem that kindness is optional. And it's true, that lightness and that quick, easy yes to help others faded far too quickly when I returned to the city. I don't know the person holding up traffic in front of me. I don't know the person taking too long in line at the store. And because of that perceived distance, I don't think I need to be kind to them. And I can honk or roll my eyes with impunity. But the truth is, if I don't act kindly towards them, that still has an impact both on them and on me. It furthers their impression that people around them aren't kind, and it deepens my own patterns of behavior to continue to act in a certain way. Compounding the issue, kindness is often seen as a type of weakness, as being a pushover. It's actually the opposite. It takes great strength to be kind. It takes great strength to be kind. In Jewish mysticism, Figures from the Torah are often connected with Svirot, attributes of God. Abraham is associated with Chesed, kindness, and his son Isaac is associated with Givurah, strength and might. The Baal Shem Tov, the founder of Hasidism, asked, how can this be that Givurah, this strength, 
descends directly from chesed, from kindness. And so he teaches that givurah is sent by chesed, that strength is sent forth to clear the way for kindness to manifest in the world. We need to be strong enough to clear space in our lives to be caring. We need to take action to make room for kindness in our lives, moving aside the things that get in the way. So continuing the process of teshuvah, it's not just enough to see how I've missed the mark, how I've made a mistake. I also need to have a plan for how to do things differently. What am I going to do to clear the way for kindness this year in the world and within myself? In the Talmud, we're taught that kindness is more than merely doing good when the opportunity presents itself. Just as kindness derives from strength and not from weakness, kindness isn't merely something that happens to us. It's something to seek out. Kindness is active, not passive. We need to pursue kindness. To pursue kindness. And that's not only external. It's internal as well. I need to find the strength to push aside the fear I may have of seeing my mistakes to claim the kindness that Teshuvah offers me and move forward from there, even if it seems daunting. And I can. We all can. Bregman calls for a new realism in his book, framing what is realistic, not as just a cynical understanding of the world as dog eat dog, but rather drawing from his research and explorations to demonstrate that a realistic sense of humanity is in fact rooted in kindness and connection. It's realistic and necessary to see people as kind. This once more aligns with a Jewish understanding of the very foundations of the world. You may have heard the phrase, Olam chesed yibaneh that the world is built with kindness. We're taught that the Torah begins and ends with kindness, from God clothing Adam and Eve all the way until God's burial of Moses. And usually, these are seen as conceptual frameworks, general illustrations of how chesed, of how kindness is important. But what if these aren't merely figurative teachings, but accurate assessments of what's necessary for the world to function? Maybe the only way in which our world currently stands is because of how we've evolved to be kind to each other. And now, our world depends on sustaining that capability. Another beautiful teaching from our tradition, Rabbi Meir would say, great is Teshuvah because the entire world is forgiven on account of one person who repents. Maybe this isn't just figurative either. When we return to the type of people we can be, the type of people we want to be, when we get in touch with our essential nature, we change ourselves and we change the world. We make it a kinder, more loving place. It's also important to remember that, yes, this is the season in which we are particularly called to make Teshuvah, and it's also possible every single day. In each weekday Amidah, we describe God as Rotseh Bichuvah, 
the one who desires our repentance, our response, our return. We can claim this kindness at any moment. And of course, there's no time like right now. One last thought from Rutger Bregman. We become what we teach. We talk today about how God created the world. And if we are indeed created in God's image, so too can we create the world around us. And if we indulge in that nocebo, that unfounded assumption of negativity that can nonetheless bring forth negativity, and we approach people from a place of suspicion and fear, we'll be greeted with the same. The world around us is then suffused with that energy. But if we instead choose to see that we can and do and want to and need to live in world A, the world of kindness and care and love, that when it comes down to it, we help and support each other, the world does change as a result. When I'm kinder, the world becomes kinder. When we change ourselves, we change the world. So I want you to think of something that you're, something kind that you're going to do today. Something that you weren't already planning on thinking, I'm plan, already planning on doing. Something proactive, something caring, something loving, something kind that you're gonna do today. And once you've thought of it, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to think of something kind that you're going to do today, and when you've thought of it, I want you to raise your hand. This is not a drill, I'm asking everybody. Others, let's get some more acts of kindness going. So the hands that a few minutes ago were 50-50 on whether we live in world A or world B are now all committed to bring us one step closer to living in world A. This year, we can awaken to the reality of what really is, the world that already exists and that we can build. There is always kindness all around us. We can increase that chesed, that love, that kindness together. It starts with the process of teshuvah, saying yes to the ultimate kindness of that opportunity, saying yes to being kind enough to say to ourselves, you deserve another chance. We have the obligation, each of us individually and all of us collectively, to carry the message of this season forward that we are each worthy of a second chance, that we can let go, that we can be more loving to each other, that we can be more loving to ourselves, that we can get back in touch with something essentially human, our ability to be kind, our simple and essential ability to be kind. We can bring ourselves closer, one step closer to world A every single day. Over this high holiday season and beyond, let's find the strength to be kind together. May it be so, today and always. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. 
If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.